0: Thank you for downloading Kingdom Culture with Danny and Danette Taylor. Recorded October 19th through the 21st, 2018 at House of Hope in Cranbrook, D.C., Canada. We pray that this will be a blessing to you as you listen. We got a lot of to cover tonight. I'm going to try to squeeze in two messages into one. So, here we go. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to share some testimonies. You like hearing testimonies. Did I already sh- say It's hard because when I was here last, how many of you actually remember the testimonies? And Because I don't remember them. <laughs> and uh, do you remember me telling you about my, my friend, Pastor Orton? Okay. Did I tell you about the miraculous re- uh, ring recovery? You remember that? Well, what well, well, can I add to that? How many of you don't remember that? You don't remember it, okay? I'm gonna go ahead and share it, then I add on to that because I don't think there's 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 part B. Um, um when we, when you live in a third world country, you learn to eat what's available in that country, and actually, Zimbabwe is wonderful for its it it's vegetables. It 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 um it's you can stick anything in the ground and it's going to grow there. I mean everything grows there. And so there's an abundance of vegetables, okay? And so we learn to eat a lot of vegetables. And then the meat there is fantastic. They raise their own cattle. It's all grass-fed. It's all it's all organic. Everything's organic there because they don't they can't afford the pesticides. <laughs> Which is amazing. Uh, so, so, it's, so consequently, I came home um, from a stay there. We were coming home to see our kids and stuff. And, and I had gone down from a 36-inch waist down to a 34-inch waist. Okay? Um, I'm back up to 36. <laughs> so you can stop looking. <laughs> But uh, but uh, uh, because of my reduced size, I, I was in. I, we went home to my son and and, and Tracy. That's in uh, San Francisco area, and uh, and I'm taking a shower. And my this is my wedding ring. Uh, this is not my original wedding ring. My original wedding ring I grew outgrew in the first three years of eating her cooking. <laughs> So (laughs) back when she is good yeah. So my original wedding ring became my pinky ring. Okay, that's how much weight I gained. (laughs) But I was home showering in my son's in my son's shower and my and my pinky ring, my original wedding ring fell off and fell to the bottom and I went, Oh my gosh, I I guess I, I lost I lost enough weight that this is really loose. I better put it in my I better put it away so I don't lose it. But where do you put it in the shower? So I stuck it back on my finger. <laughs> uh, it didn't, and then I didn't think about it again. And uh, and so I'm. we It was a week. We were. How long were there? A few. Yeah, we were there for the funeral. That's right. And so I'm on the plane. Dinette dropped me off at the airport. We spent the night at the hotel. I got into the. Got, I was in the airport waiting for my flight, and I happened to look down at my hand. And my ring is gone. And I go, oh. And it's like, this is precious to me. This is, this is what I was married with. And so it was very sentimental to me. And so I, I'm grieving. I, oh, man. So I'm checking my pockets. Nothing. I've checked my bags. Nothing in there. And I, I called Annette And I said, need to check the bed. Maybe it fell off while we were sleeping in the bed. So she, she checked the hotel. She checked the floor. She, checked, she went to the car, went through the, everything in the car. It's gone. And so I'm grieving in San Francisco. I'm now grieving. I'm on my way back, and I'm just oh man, this is, this is so sad. And then I remembered, I were on the phone, top praying. I remember the testimony. How many of you heard um, Bobby Connor's testimony of the pocket knife? Yeah. yeah. Bob Jones gave him a pocket knife. He loses the pocket knife. He's praying. He's God says, why don't you ask for it back? And he began saying, God, I want my, I want my, I want my. Um, my knife back, and it drops out of the air onto his bed in front of it, okay? Amazing, okay? So I'm going, hey, God, you do not love Bobby Conner more than me. (laughs) I'm your favorite, (laughs) so I would like my ring back. Nothing. (laughs) So I'm I'm now back in Zimbabwe, back in our house, and um, there we don't have showers; they have bathtubs. And normally, when you get ready to take a bath, you have to you have to wash the bugs out down the drain because there's it's buggy. So you're washing the bug. So you have to rinse it out. Okay, and then I'm filling up the tub, getting ready for my bath. So I get in the bath. Do my washing, get out of the bath, dry off, and now I have to rinse the tub out, get all the soap soap out. And there laying in the bottom of my tub is my ring, my pinky ring. God did that on purpose because he wanted to remove all doubt that there was no pockets for it to fall out of. I would have known if it was hiding in any crevices. (laughs) But there it was. So I rejoiced, I got my ring, I sent Danetta a message, I even put it on Facebook. I got my ring back, and I'm just celebrated. Now it doesn't I have to worry about it falling off. So I and it became quite the story there. The ring miraculously appeared where it was impossible for to have been there, okay? Miraculous. So I'm sharing it, and one of the pastors, we were back at home um, not too long ago, and I get a call from one of our pastor's wives, actually the pastors that we were raising up to, to, to take over the School of Transformation. I get a call from her. She says, would you please pray for my ring? We were out playing with the kids, and I discovered that my ring is gone. And so I would like my ring back. So I said, sure, I do the same prayer. God, she wants her ring back. We just declare her ring. And then several days, five days later, she gives me a call. Guess what? She went out with her kids looking for pollywogs in a pond. And she happens to glance down and see this spark of the light catching something sparkling. She, reaches, she looks over there, she reaches down, and she picks up her wedding ring. Anyway, that's a testimony that God is miraculous and he has favor upon his children that the enemy cannot steal away what he loves to cherish us with. So if any of you have lost anything, stand up. Now, that could have been lost. It could have been stolen. And I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you that you love me, you value me, and I'm your child. What's precious to me is precious to you. So I ask you for my belonging back. And I anticipate when it, when you give it, Amen. It was that simple. Now look for it. Okay, expect it. Hallelujah. Our first year in uh, our first year in, in in Zimbabwe, we started a school of supernatural menace. We had several pastors that were attending our school. And one of the pastors, him and I developed a, a very special friendship. He had, a, he, he had, a, he had an interesting church. His, church. his church building was in one of the government schools, along with about 20 other churches who were having services in that school. If you can imagine this. So we drive up to the school, because we're going we're to do a service with him. You drive up to the school, and here's all of these people. Or they man, I didn't realize this church was so big. And so we're kind of getting excited, and we finally find Pastor Orton. And he leads us to his little classroom where they're having church. there's about maybe 30, 40 people in there. And I'm noticing that these other people are going to these different classrooms. Now, interesting that here's this. Episcopalian church, here's a Baptist church, here's a Methodist church, here's all of these different churches all scattered throughout this school. I'm thinking, this is quite interesting. But then they all start their music up. Now, their music has to be louder than their neighbor so that they could hear their own music. (laughs) So if you, could, <laughs> if you could imagine, now, the music there is very lively. They love to dance, and they get, they get crazy with their dance. I mean, they're shuffling around, and they're jumping, and, and, and the music is, boom blah, 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 And all you can hear, your, your drums feel like it's just throbbing, 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 throbbing. But they're having such a good time, okay? Now, if you don't finish your worship service at the same time the others worship services stop, then you're having to listen to the preacher over their music, which means now you have to turn it up even louder. <laughs> so it's just a, it's a wild dynamic. Anyway, that's not the that's not the story. But but him and I, him and I had had a really good, we would try to go to the go to his little church as, as often as we could. As challenging as it was, we just loved the people, and we especially loved Orton. Him and his wife, he had he had uh, a thirteen year old, a. Six-year-old and a four-year-old, right? Three or four. Beautiful kids, beautiful kids. And uh, and I would get we would we would do our uh, out we would have our school and then we would plan our outreaches and we and I I, I like to go out, out on outreaches with him because he his church people were out in the bush and uh, and it, we'd have to walk because the cars the roads are just crazy um, they don't. They don't service the roads. Sometimes the, the off-road is smoother than the paved road because the paved roads are so full of potholes that it's just it's, it's terrible. And so we, 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 go, we would go as far as we could in the car, and then we'd have to get out and we'd have to walk the rest of the way. Now, I, I, the, the people there are so relational, and it's a culture that is so different from ours, that is so different from my, from my own. And, and in that relational, it's not, it's not uncommon to see guys walking down the road holding hands or with their arms around one another, and it's not sexual. It's just this: I'm I'm showing you my affection by holding your hand. I'm i and so the, that was very common for guys to ex, to express loving relationship with one another. Okay, and so it wasn't uncommon for. For me and him to be walking down the road, and he'd come up and he'd grab my hand, and it wasn't one of those kind of holds. It was kind of one, I'm going to blend, I'm going to mix my fingers in with your fingers, kind of like how I hold my wife's hand. And I'm, and at first I'm kind of going weird, 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 weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so the alarms are going off. Okay, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, after a while, it's like, there's nothing. It's like, and so here we are walking down there. Now, I, I'm, I'm fairly tall, if you haven't noticed. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really white. And so, walk, and Pastor Orton is, is the opposite of me. He was kind of short and very dark. Huh? Yeah, he was. Well, your perspective. <laughs> Okay, and so here we are walking down the road hand in hand and 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 it's and the people would see this tall white person walking down their road and they're going, what is this? Who is this? Why is he here? And so when they have those kind of questions, they now their curiosities. So now they're coming out of their house going, what's going on? What do you you, why are you here? And Pastor Orton said, well, we're here to pray for people. And they go, oh, I need prayer. And so this little trip that we would plan on going to one of, his, one of his parishioners, wherever in the other village, because she was sick. We were on our way to her house. But on the way to her house, we would pray for many of the people. A lot of them looking for jobs. A lot of them needing money. Lot, A lot of them sick. Just all of these different things and just how God began to move in that little community. So when they saw me coming, they would go, Hey, would you come and pray for my aunt? Would you come and pray for my sister? Uh, now we got... And so every time we would go, there'd be more, more and more people to pray for. Loved it. I loved it. Get to that house. Finally get to the house. And here's this woman just... She is sick. And she... I, I don't know what was wrong with her because it was hard to understand the language. They speak Shona. Is, it, is, there, is there natural language? And I really... It's like, what is wrong... Well, she had had a baby, and she could, and she hadn't stopped bleeding, and so she was to the point where she couldn't even get out of bed to care for her baby, and the and she'd have the mother would have to come and bring the baby to her to to nurse, but she was so depleted of fluids that she wasn't producing enough for her baby, so her baby's dying, she's dying. And her baby's dying. So, wow. So we went after it. God, I'm going to pull on as much faith as I can. And I'm praying for that woman. The month later, we go to a church and she's there. And she's dancing. She's, she's healed. But her baby's still struggling. So the next, I think it was the next The next day we went, we took that walk again out to her house to pray for that baby. And here's this limp little baby. Actually, I took some BSSM students with me. We're praying for that baby. And it's just limp. It's just shriveled up to nothing. It's just, and and what's really hard in that culture is that there's a resistance of the mothers to attach to their children for the fear that the the baby isn't going to make it. Because so many of the babies die. But there's this dynamic because there's this resistance to bond with the baby. And yet at the same time, the baby's needing body bonding so that it will live. And so there's this dynamic that's just contrary to one another. Resistance, and then the baby dies. Um, and so... <clears throat> And so we were just holding that baby, just kind of giving it that sense of you're safe, you're safe. We're praying, we're praying, and praying, and then to find out the baby ends up dying. You know, and it's dealing with those, the the sense of, here's this victory over this sickness. This woman, her, her miraculous, I mean, while we were there, she stopped bleeding. She felt life come to her body. She felt God touch her while we're praying for her. And then she was totally restored. We pray for her, the baby, and nothing. And begins this question: oh, God, you were here for the mom. Why weren't you here for the baby? What, what is the deal here? You know?" And you start looking. Was my faith strong enough? I mean, looking at that baby, and it's like there's a sense of this is hopeless. And you have to battle that sense of hopeless. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like. This is going to be a big miracle. I don't know if I can believe for this. And that becomes a big problem. When you believe, you can't believe. You know? You hear what I'm saying? And so you, you, you deal with that kind of stuff. You, you have these victories, and then you have these defeats. Um, it was after we moved to Harare and started our, our, the School of Supernatural Ministry there, I got a phone, we got a phone call from, uh, from Pastor Orton's wife. Orton was in the hospital. He was sick. Now, the government hospitals there, you don't go there to get better. You go there to die. So when I hear that he's in the hospital, right away I'm going, this doesn't sound good. So I'm praying, God, release you. And and I'm looking for an opportunity to actually go to the hospital to pray for him. But we were right in the middle of stuff, ministry stuff. So I'm I'm praying, God, you can touch him. I'm, I'm praying. I wake up every morning. I'm praying for him. In the evenings, I'm praying. I, every time he comes to my mind, I'm praying for him. I call out there, and I can't get anybody because there's, it's just impossible to reach anybody. Um, and so, and then later on, I get the message that he died. Then didn't, didn't I go to his funeral? Here I am, the only white person there, and. And now I'm I'm doing the eulogy over Pastor Orton as he's laying there on the coffin. And I'm having a battle. God, I'm looking at this thirteen year old just in pieces. His dad is gone. He is a mess. His little kids are still too young to understand, but they're but they're you know, you hear there's there's so much pain. And in that, in that pain, there's just, there's just grieving and weeping and crying. And, and I'm standing there over his body. And I have my hands on, on his chest. And I'm going, even now, God, you can raise him from the dead. Even now. And I'm watching his eyes because I'm, I'm looking for the slightest hint, a little flitter, anything to show me that there's still hope. There's still life. And I'm praying and I'm praying. And the hardest thing for me is to watch that casket lid close. Walk out to that family and watch him go into the ground. It messed me up. It messed me up big time. It was a total violation. The enemy stole a mighty man of God. I had a hard time recovering from that it really began to, to wonder if I'm in the right business. Because here I am preaching, teaching about how to pray for the sick. I'm teaching people how to prophesy. I'm teaching people how to, how to access heaven and pull heaven to earth. I'm teaching that. And here I am facing death in the face, feeling defeated and disqualified. Why am I here? And I, we came home. Came home for a visit. And I was questioning whether or not I was going to be able to go back. It messed me up. I was questioning if I could do this. If I could do this, yeah, I'm not qualified. I got, and I, I I was mad at God, to be honest. I was mad at God. God, you didn't, you didn't raise him from the dead. God, you didn't heal him. God, I am, I uh, and I wasn't as much mad at God as I was at myself because I didn't have enough faith. And now I'm feeling ashamed of myself for not having enough faith to raise him from the dead. Are you catching my heart? I came, We came home and I was messed up. I wrote wrote Bill Johnson a letter. I was hoping to see him, but he was... He was, he was in his own thing. He was dealing with his own health issues at that time. But he wrote a very, very, very lovely letter to me. And he says, you know, there's, there's, those, there's, those, there's those testimonies of when God just does the miraculous, of when those with cancer, five stage five cancers that God just touches and they're totally healed. And then you've got those instances where people with stage 2 cancer get prayed, nothing happens, and they end up dying of their cancer. And it's like, what's the deal? The same faith that you're praying for this person, you're praying for this person, and yet this one lives and this one dies. What's the deal? And I know that as representatives of Christ... We're called to model him in every way. And he set a standard. All who came to him were healed. Where is that? When Jesus would pray for the sick, they got built. When he prayed for the dead, they rose. And I'm going, there's the standard, God. Jesus, you set the standard and you said, if greater works than than these shall you do. Where is that, Lord? Lord. This is what I was battling with, okay? I'm, I'm, can I be open and honest with y'all? I, I was desperate. So now I'm, I'm on the internet. Bill's too busy. I need, I need faith. I'm going back to Africa. I want an infusion of faith that will raise the dead. And I'm going to go wherever, it, wherever I need to go to get it. And I'm going to have them put their hands on me and just pour it in. So I'm looking for Bill. He's too busy. He's, he, he can't. So then I'm looking. Where's James Maloney? Uh, he's, he's over in another country. <laughs> okay, where's? And I found Randy Clark. Way over in New York. Didn't matter. So Danette and I got tickets. We were blessed with the money to get tickets. We went to New York. We went to a school of healing. And in that in that school of healing he's talking about these miracles this dead they're being raised he's, all of these different amazing miracles he's has he has videos of the testimonies of these healings that were happening all over the place. And his last message was called The Thrill of Victory and the Agony of Defeat. And he started talking about those that you pray for that get healed and the 75% you pray for that didn't get healed. And he goes, "What do you do with that?" And he goes, "You keep pressing in." And I re- and I and we came out of that knowing just knowing that okay, this is this is a journey that we're all on. It's a journey of pressing into the things of God, apprehending by faith all that he has for us. And understanding that between there and where I'm called to be is a journey of my faith increasing. Grace through faith. Remember the, the, the hourglass. It says, right now I feel like I'm small. And I was emptied of faith when I was standing. And when I, was, I went up to Randy and I said, get your hands on me. Because I, I want what you got. And then he began to prophesy over me. And he basically said, you already got it. I already got it. I just need to grow it. And that's where we're all at. We're in a place where God has deposited in us his spirit. His spirit is the guarantee of what's to come. Amen? In other words, there's stuff coming that, we're not, that we ain't got yet. But his spirit in us is the positive guarantee. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get what he's promised me. So it's like now I had to change the way I thought, and I had to I had to come into agreement with something I heard Bill say so many times. If you can't take credit for when somebody does get healed, you can't take the blame when they don't. That makes sense. Yeah, it has nothing to do with me. All I can be is the channel. All I can be is the vessel he, throws, he flows through. And it's up to him to increase my faith as I pursue him so that more of him can flow through. So then, so then out of that becomes the challenge that now I'm, now I'm going after. What, is the, what are the things that's constraining my faith that I need to overcome? Because I want the fullness of what the Spirit of God has for me. How about you? I want, the, I want the full package. And Jesus showed us what that looks like. And then he says, yeah, this is only a sample. You can do greater. Okay, I want the greater. Okay? And I understand. I'm going after something that requires stewardship for what I already have. In other words, this is my greatest access. Is my connection with God. So this is this is what I got to protect. So I'm going to protect myself from those things that create disconnection. Okay, and that means kind of what we've already you've already been seeing all the lies that I have come to believe about God, about myself or about others is what creates that. The disconnection isn't on his part. It's on my part. It's on my faith. I got to deal with this. I got to change the way I think that's called repentance. So that I can come to this and then guard it. I had. No, that's not going to go there. Okay, that would have had me down another rabbit trail. <laughs> Turn to Acts chapter 3. Am I talking to the right people? Yeah. Uh, good. Moses said it best. God, show me your glory. That I may know you and that I may know your ways. Moses came to an understanding here in the presence of God, the glory of God, that he only had a measure of of experience with because God had to put his hand over him as he passed by. He got to see the goodness of God. He got to witness the glory of God in his goodness, right? Right? And in that experience, he says, show me your glory that I may know you and know your ways. So in that, in that connection, there's a there is a there's a quest. God, I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to experience you, and in that experience, to come into that place of connection. Huh. All right. I had a glimpse, a momentary experience of what that was like when God took me into heaven and I was able to approach Jesus. I wrapped my arms around him. He wrapped his arms around me. And as he's holding me, I mean, I am, I'm feeling his love washing over me. I mean, the love that he carries is just amazing. And as he's, his love is washing over, I'm feeling everything in me that disqualified me, qualifies me from his embrace, just wash out of me to the floor. And it's coming out, my eyes, is coming out of my snot. And I mean, I'm just a mess as I'm holding him. Okay. It's just, he's washing me with his love. And he's holding me so tight. I don't I, I've shared this before. Haven't I? I haven't haven't shared my my encounter. Oh my. We'll have to make another appointment. I he's holding me so tight I can feel my own heartbeat. And I had one of those it, it, come here, brother. It was one of those of course he's taller. Because he was still up on a a step. But when I was holding him, me heart. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to hug you, okay? (laughs) Is that okay? Yeah. It's not like I'm holding your hand or nothing. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, so I'm holding him, and he's holding me kind of like this, and I feel his grip getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Now, you know when guys normally hug, it's like one, two, three, and that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Any longer than that, it starts feeling a little weird. Like you're feeling a little weird, huh? I thought it was <laughs> so in that, okay, go ahead. We'll do that. In that, I'm holding and I'm feeling it. And it's like I had this feeling like I could hold him for all eternity and he would never come to that place. Okay, that's enough. And I tested it. I held him and I held it, And he, And while I'm holding, it's getting tighter and tighter. And I could feel my heart. Thinks better. <laughs> I could feel my own heart beating within me because of my own pulse. And I have my ear right next to his heart, just kind of like he was. And I could hear his heartbeat. And as I'm hearing his heartbeat, feeling my heartbeat, and they're doing this kind of thing. And as I'm listening, something began to change. And my heartbeat came into union with his heartbeat as I listened the moment his heart i came into union with his heartbeat <sighs> i can never get past this point cuz it's so real to me i felt like i came into union with his love his love is so void of selfishness that i felt within myself every self centered thing just left It's like there was nothing self-centered in me in that moment. And I remember looking back in his face, and he's looking down at me smiling. And I said, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. You just tell me where you want me to do, what you want me to go, I'll, I'll do it. And I was, and I was honest. I mean, I would, I would have gone to Siberia. I would have gone to India. I would have gone anywhere he told me to go. And it, it and in that place, in that, <laughs> forgive me, in that place of his love, this was this total abandonment, total surrender. And I understood his love for the moment that our hearts were actually beating as one. I understood. Father, make them one even as we are one. Make them so overcome with your love that they will be devoted with the rest of their lives to give to you their love. And I got, I'm going to give them my love. And I came to that place of Cerner. I said, God, I'll do anything, go anywhere. He just got this big old grin on his face. And he said these words, and I'm thinking, this is it. The rest of my life is going to be set in line with what he has to tell me. I'm going to, now, it's like this is my this is my vision, this is my mission, and, and nothing's gonna get me off this track now. I'm sold out. And he gets this grin and he says these words that are just so profound. He simply says. Just walk by faith. I know that sounds simple. But when he said faith, there was so much freedom that flushed through. The word faith carried such weight. And in, my, and I, and in that word faith was an understanding that I could choose to go anywhere in this world and when I would got there, I would already discover he's there. And I would simply partner with whatever he's doing. Does that make sense? Because that is a reality that we live in. Faith is simply hearing what he's saying and repeating it. Seeing what he's doing and partnering with him in it. We can do that in our neighborhood. We can do that on our jobs. We can do that in our schools. We can do that in our little church assemblies. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because the, the, the plan of God for your life isn't so defined in what you're going to accomplish. It's whatever you decide to accomplish, He wants to partner with you in it. He wants you to know Him. So that when he speaks, you respond. This is the life of Christ. Does this, this make any sense? This is way off. See, I knew I was going to chase that rabbit around. X chapter three. I'm going to get to my message. This is what we're wanting to deposit: a release of faith. And I want this to be the faith that you take out of this. God, I'm after you. Because the reality is we all live in the embrace of his presence. You don't need... I had that supernatural encounter, but that supernatural encounter is is a revelation of what we have in reality. We all have access to the throne of God. We all have the ability to go to Papa God, climb into his lap, put our ear to his heart, and say, God, what do you have to say about me? Who do you say I am? And then listen to his response. See the grit on his face. Amen? I wish I had more to go into that, but I don't. Ephesians chapter 3, 18 through 21 says this. Oh, did I say Ephesians? I'm sorry. Acts. Acts chapter 3. See, I'm already jumping to the next topic. Acts chapter 3, verse 18. But the things which God announced before him by the mouth of the prophets, that is, Christ should suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Amen? Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all that was prophesied. Amen? Therefore... Repent, change the way you think. In accordance to what Jesus has accomplished, change the way you think. You repeat that. In everything that Jesus has accomplished, change the way you think to align with what He has. Okay, it'll make sense later. That your sins may be wiped out, in order that times. Or seasons, epic seasons. Is what that word means? Epic seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Where does your refreshing come from? The presence of the Lord, Amen. And that He may send Jesus. The word "sent" is apostello, which is apostle, apostolize. So that so that so that He may apostolize Jesus to you. <clears throat> that means Jesus comes to you with a mission. That mission is what unites with what God has already designed in us. So here's the mission of Christ, and here's the, the image of, that God designed in us, they're going to come together in Revelation. This is who you are. This is what you carry. This is your personality. This is everything in you that God designed, that God comes and reveals himself to. Are you getting this? Okay? That he may send Jesus Christ appointed for you from heaven must be received until the period of the period is again that epic seasons of restoration of all things. Say this with me, all things. So have you seen Jesus lately besides what he's revealed in your heart? I mean, has Jesus shown up yet? Okay, no. So, so the all things is still in process. Amen? So how many of you know there's more things to come? So we've, we have a history of the things he's been restoring. And we have the hope of the future things he's restoring. So we live in that place of hope and expectancy that there's more to come. Okay? And those, the more to come comes in seasons. And that's what I want us to focus a little bit on so I can get to where we're going. Okay? The seasons are this. If you look at these scriptures, you'll see four seasons. How many know recognize four seasons that we have here on earth are a mirror of what's in the kingdom? Let's look at that for a minute. Springtime. What happens in springtime? Well, that's the sowing of the seed, right? That's the time the fields are prepared. That's the time the seed is sown. That's the time the bees and the birds are all happy and busy. The animals are doing their thing. Am I right? Seed is being sown. Okay? Mm. Season of revelation. Amen. Where God is revealing himself. He's revealing his word. He's revealing his ways. So there's a season that he's of revelation that he's sowing his seed into our hearts. Okay? Then there comes the summer. What happens in the summer? Well, that's where the seed dies. The heat, the summer. The summer is the time when the seed begins to grow. And the condition of the soil determines its health. You know the parable of the sower, right? Right? What happens? The seed grows. If if birds come and steal it, so in the season of the summer is the season of war, where we are protecting the seed from the enemy. It's a season of of watching, guarding, because the enemy wants to come and sow tears into where we have planted. He wants to sow his lies. And so this is the season of war, or we call the season of reformation. The reforming. What we receive in Revelation now has to be reformed in the way we think. The season of repentance. Changing the way we think. Is this making sense? We good so far? What's the next one? Fall. What's fall? Well, that's the season of harvest, right? Right? The season of the restoration of all things. In other words, what was planted, endured, and then produced a crop. The re- that was the restoration. Okay? Get it so far? And then we have the fourth season, which is the winter season. Winter season is just a time of rest. Everything goes to sleep. Everything rests. Does that make sense? It's also the time that the roots... Are now being strengthened. It's a time the roots are growing. Okay? In that season of rest, there's growth, there's inner growth. Okay? This is the season of renewal. Four seasons of the kingdom are revelation, reformation, restoration, and renewal. I wish I had time to go through all of the scriptures that kind of support those four seasons. Okay? But that's not where I'm going. When you began to look at church history, the history of revival, even, you began to see how these seasons have played out. For example, way back in our early history, a man by the name of George Whitfield began to translate the Greek and the Hebrew into the into the common language of the people and in the translation of the scriptures he begins to the revelation that hey wait a minute what god is saying is not what the church is preaching there has to be change and he began to write letters about revelation that he's receiving from the scriptures the scriptures came to life in him and now he's spreading that out okay those script, those letters got into the man called John Huss. John Huss took those words and he began to dig. He began to translate the scriptures himself and get, this is right. The church has missed it. And he wanted to bring reformation into the church and ended up being killed for it. The church wasn't ready. These letters eventually got into the hands of Martin Luther. Martin Luther brought reformation. John Calvin, John Knox, all of these revival leaders of Reformation, we began to see how there was seasons in our history of, Re- of Revelation, seasons of Reformation, seasons of renewal, where the life begins to come out in the church. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to go into church history, but Israel itself experienced these seasons. For example, when, G, when God would begin to bring into a new season, he would raise up the leader for that new season. Okay? Moses was the, was the man God chose to bring the people of God into a season of deliverance. Amen? Delivered them out of Egypt... And to the promised land. Then he rose up, and he became a model of who Father God is. Okay, then and then and then Joshua, became the man of God, who was a who he basically modeled. Jesus Christ took the Israel across the River Jordan, or to the second baptism. The first baptism was the Red Sea. Right? Second baptism is now the River Jordan, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Brings him into that, and he became the, the season of conquering. Okay? We go through the judges, we go through the victory. Uh, Joshua, if I can get this right. Joshua then leads all of Israel into conquering, wiping out the, the people of of Canaan, Canaanites, okay? Now, <clears throat> no, I'm not going to go there, okay? So how's Joshua? Now, David later comes along after a period of where the Israelites failed time after time after time after time again of eliminating the land of the enemies. God says you have to get rid of them. You have to wipe them out. You have to drive them out. Otherwise, they will. Comp- you will compromise yourself with them, and end up falling into their evil practices, idolatry. Okay, he warned them. This is what would happen. It's a am- uh, No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I keep wanting to go because I'm I'm doing a study in in, in brain science, and I, I love. I love science and how the brain works with the soul and the spirit and how they, how they work together. Anyway, there's a thing called epigenetics. How many have heard of epigenetics? Just a couple of people. Epigenetics is basically the study how, how our DNA suffers deterioration under the influence of fear, shame, guilt, all of these different influences begins to deteriorate the genetic of our genetics they also discovered that when a person comes out of fear and into hope joy peace their genetics begin to heal themselves it's amazing It then begins to answer the question, God, why did you have to wipe these people out? Well, their genetics have been coming so corrupted that if they continued to propagate, we would, have been, we would be facing an inferior humanity. Does that make sense? So God, in protecting humanity, commissioned the Israelites, you need to wipe these people out because they will infect The seed you carry. Got it? I didn't want to go there. I knew that was going to mess people up. (laughs) Everybody's going, not getting it. (laughs) Sorry about that. But those of you who kind of hate getting a glimpse, you understand. Okay, There was a reason why God needed these enemies wiped out. Israel failed. Here comes David. A new season. Who is David? The season of occupation. Let's establish this is our land. Amen? The next season was the one God was aiming for. The season of rest. He promises before Israel, he says, I am going to go with you and I will bring you into rest. And I will be with you in overcoming all the enemies. And When you've overcome the enemies, you will come into this place of Rest. And now we have Solomon, who established the habitation, the season of habitation. They dwelt in the land in rest. You see the seasons, how they, how they come apart, okay? What I want to get to, let's go to it. I'll just go real quick. I'm going to skip, 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 skip. Ooh, that's going, but Skip skip okay Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1 the whole chapter is good but we're going to read verse 1 through 1 through 2 when the Lord your God shall bring you into your into the land where you are entering to possess it, and shall clear away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God shall deliver them before you, and you shall defeat them, and then you shall utterly destroy them, you shall make no covenant with them, nor show them any favor at all. Okay? Here's what God says. Go in and wipe these people out. Okay, now, and the amazing thing about this is, while this is uh, the story in itself, is it carries a message it's a, the Old Testament is a mirror of the New Testament. Okay? In other words, what is your promised land? The way you think, the way you feel, and what motivates you. It's your soul. That's your promised land. Okay? And it looks like this. Every one of these enemies is a picture of the demonic forces that are in this world. Okay? Before we hit them, let's go back. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3, 3 through 6 says this Although we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They are divinely powerful for destruction of fortresses or strongholds. We are destroying speculations, fantasies, what we've, the lies that we've come to believe. Every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is is complete. Let me read it from the Passion. I love the Passion. How many of you like the Passion? Amen. Your spiritual weapons are not energized by... Wait a minute, start over. Our spiritual weapons are energized by divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses that people hide behind. What are the defenses we hide behind? What are the ways we protect ourselves when we're feeling pain? To keep ourselves from feeling pain. Are you getting this? He's given us weapons. The weapons he's given us, demolish those, tear down those defense mechanisms. Ooh, that good? We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and every and ins, insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish every trace of rebellion. Where is that at? My heart, in the way I think. As soon as, our, as you choose complete obedience. Did you get that? Because it comes to this place, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to take those thoughts captive. I'm going to choose to arrest my self defences. Come tomorrow, and you're going to, you'll find out what that looks like. Okay? So these weapons of our warfare are divinely empowered to overcome an enemy and the weapons he has against us. What are the weapons of the enemy? Number one, John 10.10. 10. The enemy's objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal. He doesn't just want you defeated. He wants you dead. He's not going to give up until you are useless to God. Okay? So what is that steal? Steal means to prevent us from obtaining the promised inheritance. Now, there those things that God said, here is yours as your inheritance. Yeah, the enemy wants to steal those. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your confidence. He wants to steal everything that God says this is who you are, your sense of identity. Yeah, he wants to steal that and give you a counterfeit identity. If he can get us to believe in a counterfeit identity, that's things that we believe we are, that God said, like Danette was saying, who told you that lie? Who told you that? Amen. Kill to bring us into a state of lifelessness. We're just kind of surviving. We're just kind of just existing. We're going from paycheck to paycheck. We're going from day to day. We're just going to make it to retirement. In retirement, it's all about. I'm just going to make it. Out of the hospital, <laughs> you know, and it's and it's just we 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 can come to this place of uh, life is all just about existence, and then one day when I die, I'll be with God, and that's my hope. And God's and God's saying, you're missing the connection of your calling and His empowerment joining together and releasing life. Amen. Destroy. To influence you through temptation and deception into making choices that bring destruction, trauma, conflict, and the list that just goes on and on. The weapons of the enemy are that simple deception, doubt, and temptation. That makes sense? That's why he gives us our own defense and offensive weapons the Word of God, the shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and the shoes of peace. That's what we receive as our inheritance. If I take those off and I find myself in a battle, I will soon discover I need them. Amen? Okay. Entering his rest. Skip, skip, skip. Deuteronomy chapter 7, you're still there? When you begin to realize what these enemies are, they begin to make a lot of sense. I love digging into the Hebrew and finding out what do their names mean? Because... Names were significant in the scriptures. Did you know that? It wasn't, it wasn't your mom and dad just to make up, stick syllables together and come up with a weird name for you. You know, God has a name for you and it's already recorded. When you stand in the presence of God as an overcomer, you're going to get a white stone with your identity inscribed upon it. He's going to hand it to you and that identity was inscribed way before creation. Way back when he knew who you were. He's going to hand it to you and say, See, I knew who you were all along. This is who you really are. And he gives those to the overcomer. Amen. That's the reward. Here it is. Hittites. Hittites was one of the first enemies that Israel faced when they crossed the Jordan. Remember their first battle? It was the Battle of Jericho. That was inhabited by the Hittites. One of the first commandments that Joshua received from the angel of the Lord and from God was this. Fear not. Be of good courage. Again, don't be afraid. Again, fear not. How many times did Joshua hear that from God? Why? Because the first enemy, his name was fear. Hittite means fear. How did Joshua and Israel overcome fear? Persistence. They marched around that city every day for seven days. Persistently facing it. Daring them to come out. The seventh day, they marched seven times. After the seventh time, they blew their horns. What's the horn? Declarations. This is what God says. The horn is a sign of declarations. What they do, shout praises. God is the good. God is God. God is Almighty. Begin to shout. And when they began to make declarations and shout, the walls came down. And they went and defeated fear. Fear. Fear was one of my big ones. At the age of. Seven, I received Jesus as my Lord. At the age of 12, I went forward and dedicated my life to the ministry. The problem was, I was terrified to get in front of anybody. So terrified that if, my, if, my high, if I had to test an oral exam at school, I was sick that day. College. College. If I found out that there was an oral report required, I would drop the course and go do something else. I was terrified. What I'm doing now, if I could see myself now, back then, I would have found a cave to climb into and and pulled the rock in front of it. I, I I would have been terrified. But there came a point in my life where I had to face the fear. Because I had this call of God in my life. And these dogs of doom were standing at the door of my destiny. Barking their fear. Here's these little chihuahuas. <laughs> and I wouldn't go past it. And I had to come to that place where God. I, I had to deal with God. And God gave me his, 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 his victory over fear. Fear not. I had to take a choice. Fear not. Fear not is a choice. You understand that? Joshua had to make a choice in order to face this enemy that was in front of them. Their first one. He, they were bigger than they were. Huh. Fear always looks bigger. What you're afraid of always looks impossible to overcome. You hearing me? Yeah. And I had to come to that place, God. I don't do fear. I don't do fear. I don't do fear. And I began to arrest every time I would feel that fear. I would go, Where does that come from? And behind every fear, I found a lie a lie about my identity, a lie about what I carry. A lie about my abilities. And I, had, and I began to renounce those lies. To the point where I was looking for opportunities to punch fear. So my wife and I joined a salesman class. That required every week to get up and sell something. Every week I had to prepare. to sell, Remember that? And I went through agony. But I was determined. I don't do fear. And every week, I would punch that thing, and I'd punch that thing. Then I began to speak more publicly. Then I, and I tell you what, the first time I ever spoke, I, I thought I was going to wet myself. I, I'm serious. I, I, I was trembling. My, I, I, my knees were doing this, okay? Back then, they had baggy pants, so I didn't notice. But, but I was, I, I, I rem- and then stuttering, and then, I, oh, it's It's horrible. But I did it in the, the next opportunity. Every opportunity I had, I was jumping on it. Okay? To the point where, for example, my son and family and I are in Amusement Park. And we've already been on several roller coaster rides. And, and my, my son and I and my grandson, we're just having this great time. And my son goes, hey, dad, let's go on that one over there. And I walk over there. And I saw these people putting on these harnesses, these double harnesses. And they'd fasten this belt around and they'd latch that cable onto their back. And it would pull them six stories up. And when they got to the top, they had to pull this ripcord that let them do a free fall. That, And then the cable would catch them and then they'd swing out. So I'm looking at that thing, and I'm thinking, oh, hell no. (laughs) And I feel this, because I gave the Holy Spirit permission. Every time I would be dealing with fear, I gave him permission to convict me. Oh, are you afraid? I don't do fear. It kind of looks like it. No, I don't do fair. Come on, son. Got in there. Put that thing on. Drove it to the top. Here I am looking down. It's further. Six stories is a lot further up there than it does down up looking up. Now I have to pull that thing. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Three times. Okay, you can pull the cord now. Go ahead, pull the cord. <laughs> that red thing that's on their vest, right there. You, you have to pull that. <laughs> Finally, poo, and then, shhh. and I got off that thing. I went, punched him again. Right on the lake, Lake Kariba, in Zimbabwe, crocodile-infested waters, hippos. Galore. And we're with the pastor who loves to torment crocs. <laughs> he'd get he see a crocodile and he'd aim this boat at it and he'd go, a little dinghy boat. He'd have to go, he'd have to dodge the hippos, but he'd get over there and, and he'd get over and that, that croc would just settle under the water, try to hide. He'd get up over there and take a paddle and bang that thing on the head. That croc I mean, there's crocodile at least as long as the stage here. Huge things. Huge things. I'm big on my... <laughs> my wife ends up in the... My wife is having... wetting her own pants. <laughs> and I'm standing with the camera. Get your heads out of the way. <laughs> it's like, okay? So at night, you don't realize how many crocs are in the water, out in the water, because they all just kind of live under the water. But at night, they come to the surface. And so you get the torches out, Flashlight. Oh, yeah, flashlights here. You guys call them flashlights? And bright lights, and you can see all these little red eyes all over that lake, and you're going, oh, my gosh. And he goes, come on, Denny. <laughs> we get into the boat, and we get a bunch of us in the boat, and he's, he's got, oh, there's a pair of eyes over there. He aims the boat, gets up. He shuts the motor off because he doesn't want to scare him. He's got that up, and he climbs in front of that boat, and he goes, and grabs up this crocodile. Not this big. And that thing is just twisting. His mouth is wide open. He's going, hey, I got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put it down. Next guy's turn. Here we go. Okay, Denny, your turn. And I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't do fear. I don't do fear. I feel this tap. Conscious. Holy Spirit. Uh, you have permission to do wisdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> anyway, fear was their, number, it was, it was their first enemy they had to overcome. Next one, Gergashites. I wish I could go in when you began to do, to do i don 't have time to go into it, but every one of these enemies has a history with it, okay for example, examplegurrgaites is it the no that 's the hillites Gurites were were dwellers in they had adobe houses you know what adobe is clay houses so they were they were they were simple villagers, they lived in clay houses, but they worshipped. An idol called Baal. And his mother was Asherah. Okay? <clears throat> Baal was a god of the nations. Asherah was his mother. Um, which is, I don't want to get into that. There's so much symbolism in Catholicism that's related to that paganism. Okay? Catholics have changed. Thank God. A lot of that has been anyway. Go on. <laughs> um, so here, here's no kids. Okay, I can be. Can I be open and going kind to of share? Okay. Um, the worship of Baal, here's this demon god, had the head of a bull, body of a man. His hands held out with a fire underneath it. was had her little places set up all in the high places. Okay? And in front of that idol, they would hire male and female prostitutes to conduct sexual acts of immorality in front of that demon god as worship. That was their worship. This is actually the demon god that brought Israel to its final destruction by the Assyrians. They ended up worshiping Baal and the Asherah. The men of Israel would come in, have relationships with these men and women prostitutes as worship to that thing. When these women would get pregnant and give birth to these babies, they would then come and put their ba- those babies Into the hands of that idol, and they would burst into flames as their sacrifices. This is what was going on in the land. Okay? You have to understand this. Uh, Because that demon god didn't die in history. It's still very much alive and well. It's a it's a world ruler. Its influence is worldwide. If you are looking at pornography, what are you watching? Male and female prostitutes conducting sexual acts of immorality. Am I right? What is abortion? Babies being sacrificed that were conceived in lust. Berkashites, its name means Lust. The big one in our time and age. 80% of the guys I do counseling with are struggling with pornography. 80% Christian guys. Many of them are pastors. Its influence is everywhere. And its destruction, if you can imagine, here we are to be a people of God called to worship God. How can you have two masters? How can you serve God and Worship something else. I don't want to call anybody up on it, but th- I want you to deal with. If you guys are you guys are struggling, and, and surprisingly, women are, are struggling with the same issue. Lust is a very big influence in our society. Its influence is so available with just a click of a button. It's tantalizing in our movies. The billboards, magazines, television shows are so full of the temptation of lust that if you don't keep your armor on, if you don't keep your helmet on, protect your mind, guard your thoughts, take your thoughts captive, that lust will pull you into its slavery. The thing about these these. these Enemies is they were were all Canaanites. Canaan was cursed by Noah for exposing his nakedness and making mocking him. He became cursed. Canaan became, became the curse of that. Canaan means slavery. In other words, they were cursed to slavery. But under that curse, their attempt now is to enslave before they become slaves. You get that? So this Canaanite, the Canaanite people, all of these are out of that tribe. So, so, so fear has its objective to enslave those under its influence. Lust has an objective to enslave those under its lust under its influence. This is making sense. This is these are all intended to bring the people of God into slavery. When the reality is they're cursed to slavery. They're cursed you you are empowered to master them. You are empowered to overcome them. That's the reality. Amen. Can continue. Next one is the Amorites. <laughs> Amorites was is her, its name is this is is pride. Amorites were um, confronted. Um, they actually took possession of of Jerusalem. Where is it? Okay, I'm just going to go see if I can go find it here. Judges. Chapter 10 talks about Israel's battle with the Amorites. And they sent out kings, five kings, to do war against the Girgashites. We'll get to them later. The Girgashites who had made a treaty with with the Israelites so, they were afraid of the Israelites, but they thought they could take out the Gergeshites. So, they attacked the city. But Israel, because of the covenant they made with the Gergeshites, they came to defend them and to overcome. They ended up overcoming the nation of the Amorites. Pride. Okay? What's amazing is you begin to look at the names of these kings and begin to see the influence of pride. Look, look, watch this for a minute. One of the kings, his name was. Doni Zedek means Lord of Justice. Basically, it's this I'm right and you're wrong. You don't agree with me, off with your head. Okay? That's their justice. It's based upon agreement. Okay? The next one, his, li- his name was mm, Hoham. Koham was woe. In other words, grief. It basically looks like this. Woe to you if you don't agree with me. Shame on you if you don't agree with me. Is this now it's sounding a little bit more like where the pride is behind that? Okay? It's amazing what this is. Okay. Purim. <laughs> I like this one. His name means wild ass. That's what it says. Okay. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What comes to your mind when you think of a donkey? Stubbornness. Stubbornness. Okay. The next one, Jaffia. Is his name is, has his name means enlightened, but his work, but it's in a, in a way that it. I'm going to convince you with my words and twist what you think so that you can, you can come into agreement with me. In other words, it's persuasive words, manipulation in the words that began to pull you into his deception. Okay? That's pride. Hmm. Um, and the last one was Dibber. And this one is a good one. He's the debater. What we would recognize, argument. He's the one that likes to argue. He's the one who wants to debate. So is this making sense? So you can begin to see these rulers in in the realm of pride that began to manifest in just the arrogance, the manipulation. I'm right, you're wrong, I'm the smartest one in the room. And it just continues on. Does that make sense? Okay, pride. I'm a, is that okay if I keep going? Okay, go back to seven. Next one: Gergeshites, Amorites, Canaanites. Even though they were all Canaanites, it's the specific tribe of Canaan, which was one of the, is one of the enemies that Israel failed to drive out completely. It was, he was so infiltrated in the land that the Israelites in began to make compromises with the Canaanites. The Canaanites, their name means shame, the enemy of shame. How many of you know that life is full of crisis, pain? our reactions to those crises and the pain that leave a whole train of regrets. And if you could see regrets as links to the the chain, links of a chain that are attached to this big ball of shame. Does that make sense? I love, that. I love the, the scripture that says it's his anointing that breaks the yokes. It's his anointing that melts those chains. It's, his, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that sets us free from all the regrets of life. Everyone in this room has regrets. Things we, we should have done, things we should have said, the things I wish I would have done different. Everyone faces those. As long as I'm hanging on to those regrets, shame is at the end of it there's a spirit called shame that's holding us captive. Amen. Every one of these spirits is designed to prevent you from moving forward in your destiny. To keep you captive to your to to your past. Amen. Quickly, so we okay? Uh Canaanites, parasites. Parasites is not a little bug that lives in the trees. Or drinks or in your water, I found those in Zimbabwe. Not nice. Parasites. Their name means. Are you writing these down? Their name means offense. The spirit of offense. It was it went, and the only reference to the, the parasites is way back in Genesis. Remember the story of uh, where the, the the men, uh, the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of of, uh, of Abraham are having having problems over this well. They're fighting. They're fighting over this well. And then, and then in the middle of all that fighting, it throws in the scripture. And there are parasites in the land. That makes sense. One little, pair, one little scratch, and his name means offense. How many of you know? <laughs> there are always opportunities in the relationships of our of our spouses when we think differently. We make choices differently, and then those choices we make are have the potential of creating conflict. In every relationship that you develop, you will eventually find conflict. Why? Because we're all different. We all think different. We make different choices. We all have different personalities. We all have different gifts. And every one of those things create a potential for conflict. It's what we do with that conflict that then begins The issue, because if I yield to the conflict and come into a place of offense, I agree with the spirit behind that thing that now manifests in unforgiveness. We're going to jump on this one tomorrow. Okay? You have to see offense as a spirit. It's the one that wants to twist your words. It's the one that partners with the spirit called Leviathan, that takes your words and twists it so what your partner or what your friend is hearing is not what you're saying and they're interpreting totally wrong and now they're offended. Amen? Parasites, Hivites. Hivites, the literal name means wicked, but how it manifested is in the tribe of the Girgashites. Girgashites were a Hivite people. How did the how did what did they do? They came in to manipulate, to deceive, to come into a contract or a covenant based upon deception. Basically, it was the use of witchcraft. Okay? Witchcraft has it has its manifestations on all different ways all the way to black magic, all the way down to even christianity <laughs> manipulation. Where we began to influence others to to our to what we want through manipulation, and that's called an enemy. Does that make sense? That's called wickedness. My intention is for me, not for you. God says that's wickedness. Amen. Last one, Jebusites. Jebusites, I wish I could go into the story of Jebusites, but because um, we're out of time, it basically means rejection. Rejection. Here are the seven enemies that God's called us to overcome. What are they? Shame, fear, uh, wickedness, deception, offense, lust. Pride and rejection. This is the enemy that's keeping us from our promised land. How I think, how I feel, and how I access the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, if I had my little hourglass, we could look. Every one of those enemies, its intention is to rob us of the faith that we access grace. Every one of those enemies have lies and deception they bring us into bondage to that keep us from the fulfillment of who God's called us to be. Accessing faith. Amen? So that when we come into this place of connection with God, this place of wholeness, wholeness is here is heaven at my end. I'm, I'm connected with God. I have the resources of heaven and, and, and I have overcome my enemy. And I overcome my enemy by going through these cycles. These seasons. Amen? This will make more sense tomorrow. Be patient. These seasons of life where God begins to share to me, the sow into me his word of truth. And his word of truth is now going to co- confront the lies that I believe. The lies that I believe are going to be are going to be attached to in one of these enemies that I need to overcome. So, in my season of warfare, in Second um, Samuel, was it First Samuel? David, Second Samuel. David is David decides he's going to send out Joab and the armies to the battlefield, and he's going to stay at home. It says it was, this, it was early spring or late spring, the season of war. In other words, the season was coming into summer, the season of war. And David decided, yeah, my, 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 my army can take care of this. I'm going to stay at home. And what happens to David in the season of war? He's out on his roof. And there's Bathsheba bathing out in the open. David's heart is tempted by lust. David then yields to the lust, impregnates her, and now he's got another mess to clean up. So now comes murder. Deception with murder. Do you see how the enemy has had, is gaining its influence? Here's the man after God's own heart making compromises that he ends up re- later repenting of. I love how the f- you, when you begin to understand the enemies that that Israel was facing you begin to see how they've played out as a mirror this is this is this is my promised land and I'm called to steward it. Amen. How do I steward my possession, my inheritance? I have to I have to fight in the season of war. Amen. I have to change the way I think in the time of of reaping. I mean no, we would all, we all want that to be the good stuff from the good seed. But if we allow the enemy to sow his tares in the in the time of harvest, we end up reaping what we've sown. Is this making sense? We end up facing the consequences of our choices. And God won't be mocked. In other words, God is full of mercy. He's full of grace. But if we're, if we're reaping the consequences of poor choices like David did, it cost him his son. There are consequences to the choices and you can't deny those. So a lot of times when we're facing the heartaches of our choices, we can't come into agreement with shame. What does David do? He prayed, he interceded, he grieved. When the baby died, he washed his face, changed his clothes, and went on about his life with a heart change. That's how we overcame shame. Amen? A lot of, we'll, we'll really get into a lot of this tomorrow morning. I, I wanted us to really, ca- uh, to really apprehend the challenge that we all face. Because the reality is, we're in a war. We're in a war with the enemy that wants to kill us, destroy us, and steal everything we have we we are the biggest threat to our enemy why does he why does he work so hard to 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 conquer us because we're a big threat to his kingdom when we step into what god's called us to do when we step into the fulfillment, fulfill fulfill fulfillment of what his presence in us in that connection that is a big threat to the enemy because like it, like the scriptures that all these scriptures says God was with them and they overcame even the giants those things that seem too big for you to conquer those things that are just I can't I can't God says yeah, that's why I'm with you that's why I promised I would go with you because in reality yeah you can't except God Amen Let's stand Was this good for anybody? Is this helpful? I know this was a lot of, lot of Bible and a lot of, a lot of teaching, actually. And sometimes it can get kind of dry. But I, I wanted... I, is this good for you? Okay. Father, I thank you that you have empowered us. You have called us. You have equipped us With everything we need. When Jesus says it is finished, that's because He conquered the He conquered every enemy upon that cross. He bore our shame. He overcame fear. He refused to be offended. He did not yield to temptation and lust. He experienced every temptation that we had, and yet he did not sin. So that when he hung upon that cross on our behalf, when he bore our punishment, all of our sins were placed upon him. All of our failures of, over, of, of yielding to these enemies, he overcame. And Father, we come into that place as more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Father, we come into agreement with our identity in Christ as more than a conqueror. Are you hearing that? You are more than a conqueror. Every enemy you face has already been defeated at the cross. The last enemy that will be defeated, Jesus already defeated it, but he's going to defeat it on our our behalf, is the enemy of death. Amen? But we don't need to be afraid of death. Am I right? Death cannot scare me. I don't do fear of death because I know it's on the other side. I've seen him face to face, and I can't wait to get there. I've walked through heaven. I know what it's like, and I promise you, you're going to love it. You know what my scripture was, that little piece of paper I got? Huh. Romans eight twenty-eight to 39 You're more than a conqueror. It, told, it it. confirmed the message that I had for tonight. Pretty awesome, isn't it? How did, all of those little papers, this is the one I grabbed. And I saw that I go. Thank you, Jesus. I'm because I I was kind of battling with what I was going to teach. You're more than a conqueror. There is nothing that the enemy can throw at you that God hasn't already equipped you to overcome him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come up, Deb. Danette. Jeff. Where's Brian? They to okay, I'll try to get him tomorrow. It's time? Okay. I want, there was a couple of guys that I wanted to prophesy over. You. What's your name? Yeah. Rush. What is it? Rush. 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 I saw God handing you a scepter. And it's like, I'm entrusting you with authority. But in that authority, it's like, there's There's wisdom. It's like the authority to judge between what's right and what's wrong and you being able to discern this is what you need to do. In the face of choices, here's what you need to do. And I see God imparting to you this scepter of wisdom, imparting you the gift of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, to understand, to discern, and direct. Okay? Amen? 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 In the brown shirt in the back. Um, I saw God handing you keys, and this was and I I heard this word during worship, and then I saw the little banner over here. And the word that I got for you, He's handing you a, a set of keys, and the key is there's one one called that closes the door and locks it. And I see you being able. I, I don't know what you do, but I, I, I see God giving you the gift of counsel, uh, uh, and being able to 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 recognize the being able to recognize there's influences of, of people that are coming to you that you can go. Yeah, you need to close that out. Here's what you need to do to lock that door. And then the other key was is the scripture I got is um, He's given you the keys of the kingdom. That that whatever is bound in heaven shall be bound on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven shall be loosed in heaven. So there's another key that opens other doors. That opens opens up treasures of heaven, it, it, the influence of God's wisdom, the influence of what the treasures that God the promises, the prophecies. And I just see you you being able to close off some things and open other things into the people's lives. You having this this connection with people. Amen. Amen. You good. You good? All right. That's all I got for tonight. All right. So we've had a lot go on today. And what I wanted to do is typically what we do is a fire tunnel and stuff, but I just...